It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all VD heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and Happy Easter. That's right, it is show number 106 for the week of April 2nd, 2015, and this weekend is Easter. And to celebrate spring, fun, the Easter Bunny, and more, we're welcoming none other than Bradley Pierce here to the show. You may know Bradley from such things like Jumanji, The Borrowers, Beauty and the Beast, and Sonic the Hedgehog. And Bradley's going to stop in and talk about what it's like being part of many of these family classics, what it's like voicing Chip in the iconic Beauty and the Beast, and many other things in his career, including what is he doing now. In addition, we have the D-Team back. Yes, no Easter celebration, no show would be complete without the D-Team. And you have questions and he has answers, and Aaron's going to answer all your questions in I Want to Know. And Nathan is taking that trip into the past with This Week in Disney History. We're going to break out the music in the magical music review with none other than Paige, and we have the latest from Disney Multimedia with Randy. And we're going to take a look at what's happening within the Walt Disney World Resort with WDWN2, with Caitlin. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire from new clothing, the parks, Star Wars, music, the Disney Channel, attractions, and more. So before I kick off into spring in our Easter show, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% off your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points from Vacation Club members. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save that money and spend it on what else? Souvenirs on your next trip and stay at the best Walt Disney World resorts like the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, the Animal Kingdom, and more just by booking that trip through DVC-Rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, to kick off spring, we're keeping the show full of all kinds of laughter and fun and many things Easter. It's going to have a great spring Easter vibe here this week. So to bring out all the favorite Easter moments that you've known from Disney, maybe some favorite parades and some tunes, we just have all kinds of fun to celebrate Easter this weekend here at the show and our special guest, Mr. Bradley Pierce. So all VD heads, with that said, let's officially kick off show number 106 for the week of April 2nd, 2015, and happy, happy Easter. The sun's about to come up, and that means just one thing for sure. The Easter Bunny is coming to town today. Here's hoping he's hippity-hopping your way. So straighten your bonnets and shine up all your shoes. And hurry, there's no time to lose The Easter Bunny is coming to town today He's riding an engine instead of a sleigh Don't blink for even a second or he'll be gone He puffs in at quarter to dawn He'll be filling Easter baskets He'll be rolling eggs like mad 
green in everything that's winter clad. The Easter Bunny is coming to town today. Here's hoping he's hippity hopping your way. So get your brushes and paints, give him a hand. It's Easter throughout all the land. and their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk right down that piece I see flags I hear bells and the parade in town I see crowds I hear yells I hear drums Philbin, special guests Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewer, Mickey and Minnie, Aladdin and Jasmine, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, and the whole Disney gang. Catch all the mouse fun with the TV premiere of the all-new Mickey Mania Parade. Go behind the scenes for the making of Disney's next animated feature, Pocahontas. Join Goofy and Max as they battle it out at Disney's newest water park, Blizzard Beach. Plus, all the color, fun, and fantasy of the happiest Easter parade ever.
Hey everybody, it's Bradley Pierce from Beauty and the Beast, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, LVD heads, I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 106 for the week of April 2nd, 2015, as we are celebrating Easter all show long here at the show. That's right, from parades, music, and more, we're going to take that trip back to many of your Disney Easter memories growing up, maybe some from the future, who knows, as we gear up for our special guest, Mr. Bradley Pierce, who many of you know from Jumanji, The Borrowers, and of course, the voice of Chip in the iconic Beauty and the Beast, as he's going to be stopping in with a D-team and so much more. So before I jump into news hot off the D-wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, our complete archives, and more. Our Lifetime of Disney Player right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. And you can join up our D-Wire discussion group on Facebook as well and connect up with the D-Team listeners and more and just open up that discussion about any Disney topic. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. And remember, you can always subscribe to our latest shows and get it in your mobile device, your droid, your tablet, and more just by searching Diz Radio, Disney Blue, or Disney On Demand on iTunes or Stitcher Radio and get the latest shows right there in the palm of your hand. So all of you D-heads, with that said, with everything out of the way, let's jump into news hot off the D-wire. And I am going to keep it kind of short because since it is Easter break, we have the D-team here, we have so much more, we have a fantastic guest. I'm not going to bombard you with just a crazy ton of news because let's just have fun. It's Easter weekend. I just want to give you something to enjoy. So how about, first off, Happy Easter. Yes, in just a couple of days, it is going to be Easter. We are going to have so much things. Now, make sure to bust out all of your favorites from, you know, many things, from Disney parades, as well as Winnie the Pooh, Springtime with Rue, and many others. So definitely, definitely make it fun. Now, to kick it off, since it is April 2nd, it is the week of April 2nd here, show number 106, that means yesterday was none other than April Fool's Day. And to kick off April Fool's Day, Disney did something fantastic. They released on the Disney Park blogs that since Cinderella's castle was going to become Elsa's castle. Yes, I'm sure you've seen it all around, but definitely it put many people in an uproar. They were up in arms saying, what's going on? Enough of this frozen fever. They were just so ticked off. But of course, any true Disney fan knows that they would never change the iconic castle after 40 years. But it was fantastic. Great April Fool's joke. For many of you D-heads who go to our website and you get our emails and whatnot, you know that we also had our own April Fool's joke. As we mentioned that the Saucer Mickey hat, now that it's down at Hollywood Studios, was going up in a vacant area in Tomorrowland in honor of Disneyland's 60th celebration. So there was a lot of great things out there. Disney News was a little leery yesterday being April Fool's because you didn't know what to believe. 
what not to believe, but it definitely made it for a fun, fun day. Now, pushing along here in news, this week Disney released some limited edition t-shirts, and these are fantastic. I have already ordered some. I mean, these are ones that you want to add to your collection, and one of my favorites is the Disney Polynesian Village. Yes, as everybody knows, the Polynesian Resort has now got a huge makeover. Um, I don't know if it's for the better or not, but it has gotten a huge, huge makeover. Fantastic. I love Tiki Culture as something will be released next week uh, for our five-year anniversary that will really solidify that. But they have a brand new 1971 logo style for Disney's Polynesian Village. Now, on top of that, if it doesn't end there, they have inner space as well as if you had wings. I love the if you had wings. I mean, that shirt is fantastic as well. Now, these are limited edition shirts, which means they are only for sale, I believe, until April 7th. So if you don't get it, your order in by then, they're gone. You're going to have a hard time finding them. And right now they sell for about $24, but if you buy two of them, you can get them for $20 each. So you can get two for $40. Now, trust me, you don't want to pass this up. I've already ordered my If You Had Wings and my Polynesian Village ones because they are fantastic. So definitely check them out. It's in the Disney Store website. You can find it right there through the app, the official DisneyStore.com. You name it, you can get it right there. Limited edition t-shirts. Now, moving right along here, let's get into live action. And lately, Disney's been remaking everything from Maleficent, Cinderella. We heard about Tim Burton and Dumbo not too long ago. There's an Alice in Wonderland sequel coming out. Well, how about Disney's Mulan to get a live action update? Yes, there are plans to remake the 1998 animated classic. And Disney announced that the live action version of Mulan is coming. And this is shortly after the release of Beauty and the Beast getting made, Dumbo, and others. Now, Disney has not set a release date, but it already has a script by Elizabeth Martin. And Disney also announced that Chris Bender and J.C. Spink, best known for We're the Millers, will be producing the all-new adaption. Now, Mulan will be based on the 1998 film, which was nominated for an Oscar and Golden Globe. Now, the original film tells the story story of a young woman who disguises herself as a man so she can take her father's place in an army and go to war. Now, Mulan is among Disney's most successful animated films, and it even had a sequel that went straight to DVD shortly after the theatrical release. Now, Disney has not announced casting for the film, but based on how fast the company is working, the announcement will probably be coming very, very fast. Now, the announcement of the Mulan live action is following up this year's Cinderella, the retelling of the Jungle Book that's coming with Scarlett Johansson, as well as many others that are coming out. Now, Disney also is creating a sequel to Alice in Wonderland, as I mentioned, and we're going to see a return of all the main characters in an all-new plotline, and that movie is coming out in May 27th of 2016. Now, following many of the films, there's also the new adaption of Beauty and the Beast, as well as Dumbo. Now, with Disney's current lineup of doing many live-action versions of their animated films, one can only suggest that Snow White is right around the corner, and Aladdin is definitely probably in the works. Now, these are going to be coming on the tails, but what are your thoughts? Mulan, live-action, I mean... Maybe you don't think Mulan is a great choice for a live-action film, or or maybe you're just tired of Disney going back to their animated library to make live-action films. What are your thoughts, D-Heads? Definitely drop in on the D-Wire or drop us a line as well. Let us know. I want to know your thoughts on this. Now, moving along from adaptions of films, let's get into something that's a little more personal and books and movies. Yes, and how about Fancy Nancy getting adapted by the Disney Channel. Now, the children's book series Fancy Nancy will be turned into a TV movie and a weekly series for the Disney Channel. And Fancy Nancy is a great 
great. I mean, it's a great book series. My daughter loves it. And Fancy Nancy is basically an illustrative book series that follows this little girl. And what she does is she uses a lot of big words. She teaches kids what these words mean. Um, in, in great fun storylines. It's really hard for me to describe it, but it will be fantastic. Now, written by Jane O'Connor and illustrated by Robin Priest Glasser, Fancy Nancy centers on the young girl with extravagant wardrobe and vocabulary. Now, the series has sold more than 28 million copies so far, and the Disney Channel adaption will have more books sold, probably with the merchandise line as well. Now, news of the small screen adaption comes after stalled efforts at translating Fancy Nancy for feeders. Now this is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be fun. Something great for kids. I mean, I really do think kids entertainment is just kind of a wash in the bucket lately. And getting something released in theaters that's going to be big, fun. I mean, I was glad to see Alexander and the No Good, Horrible, Very Bad Day get released just because we need that family live action entertainment once again. And now Fancy Nancy making its way to theaters as well as a Disney Channel series. Now changing here, let's get into something that's a little bit different, and how about wishes coming true? Now, now Disney always has wishes coming true, and how about Make-A-Wish, helping a Baltimore boy's Disney World dream become a reality. Yes, young Lewis has a smile that can light up a room, and the three-year-old's grin, as they say, can excite an entire city block. He is always excited, says his mother, and he's fun, loving, and caring. He's always concerned about everyone, and is overall pretty happy baby. Now, he was born with congenital heart disease, and so far he's had three surgeries. He's doing pretty good, she added, but we went to the doctor in October, and the doctors gave us a year before we come back. That right there shows that he is on the rise. But it has been a long road for the Brooks family, one that has had more than its fair share of challenges. The needles came, the crying came, surgeries came. She said it was very overwhelming and a very rough start to his early years. Now, many of the things that he had was a dream to go to Walt Disney World. As they said, he watched the characters on TV. He wanted to meet them. And this was a great opportunity to spend time together with family. So while in Florida, through the help of Make-A-Wish Foundation, they were able to form another bond with Give the Kids the World, the resort that houses Make-A-Wish families. Now when the family returned to Baltimore, Brooks immediately started finding ways to raise money and help other families needing hope. Because I was so compelled and being chosen for what they were doing for us, I wanted to give back, she said. I had an ice cream social and raised more than $1,000. We donated half of that to Give the Kids a World and half to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We also have an important role as a team captain coming up at April 19th at the Make-A-Wish Foundation's Walk for Wishes. So not only did they get a chance to spend time with family through Make-A-Wish, they made his dream come true. He got to meet Mickey and all the characters. They were able to come back, raise money, and give back to other people, looking to, you know, give out needs to children and more. Fantastic story, and I figured with it being Easter, great uplifting stories are needed in any community. Now, pushing right along here, how about getting back to the Disney Channel? And the new Disney Channel original movie, Descendants, will be turned into a prequel novel. Yes, Disney has no plans to stop at just the Disney Channel original movie with the Descendants, but it's going to be made into a prequel novel for young adults, and it's already in the works. Now, the book version is titled The Isle of the Lost, and it's set to hit bookstores May 5th. Now, although a premiere date for the movie has yet to be announced, the summary of the book states, Legend has it long ago. The most infamous villains were imprisoned on the Isle of the Lost, cutting off from the rest of the world as punishment for their misdeeds. In this dark and dreary place, the likes of Maleficent, Jafar, Cruella de Vil, and the Evil Queen reside in the Evil Reign Supreme. Now, Mal, Evie, Jay, and Carlos are their descendants, teenage sons and daughters of the Isle's most villainous characters. 
and they are coming of age on the Isle of the Lost. Now, what's your reaction to this? I mean, it is something that I think they're really trying to build up on this because I feel that they want to make it into a series or maybe a spin-off or a few movies. But the Descendants movie seems like it's a great plot line, almost like Once Upon a Time for, I guess, a younger generation. It really does set a tone of Disney kind of re-changing these classics for a modern time. But now, The Isle of the Lost, an all-new book series for The Descendants, a prequel, so now you can read it to gear up for the film, is going to get released in May. Now, pushing right along here, how about the National Recreation and Park Association collaborating with the Walt Disney Company to expand parks and then build a community campaign? Yes, the National Recreation and Park Association announced this week that a collaboration with the Walt Disney Company, including Disney Citizenship, Disney Television Group, and ESPN, to expand its Parks Build Community Initiative to help revitalize neighborhoods by restoring local parks and park programs. Now, the Parks Build Community Campaign which runs during Earth Month in April, will help improve parks and communities around the United States so that kids and families have more access to opportunities to get outdoors, be active, and have fun. Now, park supporters everywhere have two ways to get involved. Throughout April, the public is encouraged to nominate a favorite park, which will be entered in a chance to win over $20,000. Now, in addition, the park can vote daily for park projects located in 15 communities across the country. Now, projects that receive the most votes will also receive $20,000 each to help make improvements and expand programs. Now, projects for the votes include everything from community gardens, sports fields and needs of repairs, nature learning centers, and more. Now, voting is taking place, kicking off April 1st as of yesterday all the way through April 30th. Now, if you want to find out more about it, you can visit nrpa.org slash beinspired. Now, as they have officially released in a statement, parks are the cornerstone of almost every community and have immense power to make and change our lives as we live better. They help families live healthier, connect kids to nature, increase access to sports, and so much more, said Barbara, president and CEO of NRPA. Now, Parks Build Community is a great opportunity to share the power of everything during April, Earth Month, while bringing essential funds to critical park projects. We couldn't be more thrilled to be collaborating with Disney Citizenship, Disney Television, and ESPN on this important initiative. Now, during April, a public service announcement titled Meet Me at the Park will appear on all of Disney's ABC Television Group's eight owned stations, ABC Affiliate Stations, ABC Network, ABC Family, and Disney XD, Disney Junior, and many others, including the Disney Cruise Line, Resort TVs, and more. This is definitely going to be a huge, huge initiative. Now, in addition to voting, the public is encouraged to visit their community parks during the month, experience the benefits, go for a picnic, fly a kite, and have fun. Fly a kite, right? The parents from Mary Poppins couldn't have said it better. If you want to find out more about this or even nominate a park, once again, visit nrpa.org slash beinspired. So all of you D-heads, there's a couple other things here I'm going to talk about in news before I release the reins to the D-team. And let's talk about the first look at Star Wars Rebels prequel comic, Kanan. The Last Padawan. Now, I myself have two boys and daughters who love Star Wars Rebels. Now, back at Marvel's, Kanan is now having his own comic book that is a prequel, talking about how he is the last Padawan, the last one to be learning the Force, well, until he starts teaching it to Ezra now. And if you're completely lost with what I'm talking about, get on Star Wars Rebels. It is nothing like the Clone Wars animated series, which I personally didn't enjoy, but I know many of you did. Um, I, I really do think it was enjoyable. I did watch it, even though I didn't really like it as much. Star Wars Rebels is fantastic. Now you can get the first comic, the Star Wars Rebels prequel, Kanan, The Last Padawan. And with that, 
There's also Star Wars The Recon Missions. Now, are you ready to stand up against the Empire and join the Rebels? Now you can become a galactic hero in Star Wars Rebels Recon Missions. Now, it is absolutely free to download, and it's a full-paced action platform-based program for your device, whether that's your iPhone, your Droid, and more. It's a great app. Now, this takes place five years before Episode 4 in the movie franchise, and you're going to be able to have fun, play a lot of different roles in this. I've had fun with it. It is an action based game so you're jumping you're shooting you're trying to get to the inquisitor and there's a lot of star wars titles that have been released on the ios over the years but this one has been amazing disney interactive had really gone above and beyond for this it is fantastic so star wars the recon missions get the app it's absolutely free to play and it's a lot of fun now, all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to wrap up news here. Like I said, I kind of tailed it off there. I do have a lot more news, but I don't want to bombard you with news here this week because it's Easter. We have our Easter show. We want to have fun. We just want to make things enjoyable and let you enjoy that Easter. Color the eggs and, you know, hide them for the Easter bunny or who knows what. I mean, it's going to be a fun, fun time. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, before I release the reins to the D-team, as you have questions, he has answers. Aaron's going to answer those questions, and I want to know. We have a look back with This Week in Disney History, WDW and 2, the Magical Music Review. We also have Disney Multimedia and so much more, including our special guest, Mr. Bradley Pierce, the voice of Chip from Beauty and the Beast. We have a lot of things on the horizon, D-Head. So before I let you go, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% of your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points from Vacation Club members and stay at the best Walt Disney World resorts like the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, and so much more. So, all VD heads, with that said, it is a lot of fun things on the horizon. We're going to continue with our Easter celebration for show number 106 for the week of April 2nd, 2015, and I'm going to release the reins to the team. And the next time you hear me, I'm going to have none other than Mr. Bradley Pierce from Jumanji, The Borrowers, ZFO Entertainment, and also the voice of Chip from Beauty and the Beast, stopping in here at the show. Take it away, team, and as I said before, have a great Easter weekend, D-Heads.
1991, a magnificent new motion picture premiered and enchanted the world. This spectacular model of storytelling combined the art of animation and a magical music score into an unprecedented achievement that won the hearts and minds of audiences along with dozens of awards, including the coveted Oscar. But behind this story is another fascinating story. It originates where storytelling began and involves an engaging cast of characters, both ancient and contemporary, fictional and utterly human. It combines beautiful artwork, majestic words and music, and groundbreaking technology to tell a story as old as storytelling and yet still a vital part of today. The story of Beauty and the Beast is an ancient one. It truly is a tale as old as time, with roots in legends from Greece, India, Africa, France, and Italy. After the success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937, Walt Disney was looking for stories to develop into feature-length films. One of these stories was Beauty and the Beast. But Beauty and the Beast proved a challenge to Disney's story team. So, although some work was attempted on the famous story in the 1930s and again in the 1950s, Walt returned Beauty and the Beast to the shelf, where it waited for rediscovery. Hi, I'm Robbie Benson, the author of I'm Not Dead Yet and also The Beast. And you're listening to Disney On Demand. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. It's Easter time. We'll be dying Easter egg Saturday night, and I'll be making the traditional bunny cake for Sunday. We look forward to the Easter bunny visiting the carpenter house. I hope all you D-Heads are gearing up for the Easter bunny, too. Well, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Dan O'Reilly of Minnesota, and he writes, Diz Radio, since you've posted your Easter show would be coming up, my question is about the Disney broadcast of the Easter Parade. I remember seeing it in VHS my parents recorded. I do miss those old days of parades, and I mean real parades, on TV. But how many years did the Easter Parade run? Who were the host? Key highlights. Well, I miss the old parades too, when a parade was a parade. Walt Disney World Happy Easter Parade first aired in 1987 on ABC with Joan London and Ben Vereen. In 1989, Roger Rabbit made his first public appearance in Walt Disney World Happy Easter Parade with Joan London, Alan Thicke, hosting, and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. In 1992, Joan London and Regis Philbin hosted, and the parade featured Richard Mulligan and Robbie Benson. In 1993 and 1996, Joan London and Regis Philbin hosted the parade, and they were joined by teen star Joey Lawrence, serving as the man on the street. The parade was last televised in 1999. And, to let you D-heads know, some of the Easter parades are available to watch on YouTube. Well, our next question is from Dylan Sinclair of Grand Rapids, and he writes, Aaron of the D-Team, my question for you is about Return to Oz. 
This film was a real, true adaptation of the stories. I was wondering, were there any trading cards for the film, as many of the films did in the 80s? Also, what happened to the lead character? What else was she in? And finally, were there any Oz things added in the parks, in parades or shows or anything? Rock on, brother. Well, Return to Oz was released in 1985. There were Return to Oz trading cards that were released in 1985. It was a set of 44 different designs. Each design was identified by number. They had 33 scene cards and 11 portrait cards. They were top set of bubblegum story cards. The backing of each card would be peeled off to turn into a sticker. There were six different cards in each pack with a stick of gum. Packs were decorated with characters from the film with either Jack, TikTok, Dorothy, or the Scarecrow. The lead of Dorothy Gale was played by Feruza Balk. Balk also made appearances in Valmont, The Craft, The Island of Dr. Monroe, American History X, The Waterboy, Almost Famous, and Personal Velocity, Three Portraits. She continues to work today. As far as references to the movie in the parks, Disneyland Paris does have a Return to Oz section. Also, the Main Street Electrical Parade had a Return to Oz float with costumes used in the movie. Well, our final question is from Stephanie B. And she writes, Happy Easter to Disney On Demand. I love that spring is in the air. The things I want to know about is Mr. and Mrs. Easter Bunny. When do they come out at the parks? Where is their meet and greet? Thank you. Well, I've never had a chance to meet Mr. and Mrs. Easter Bunny. The Bunny Couple will be meeting daily at the Town Square Courtyard from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. now until April 5th. I believe they started the meet and greet on March 26th. Their area is called Bunny Lane Garden. They don't sign autographs, but instead you will be handed an Easter egg autograph card with their signatures. It's a great addition to the autograph book. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and Happy Easter. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents a motion picture fantasy adventure beyond your fondest imagination. You'll be transported miraculously back to the enchanted land of Oz, that magical kingdom beloved by young and old for generations. It's just a yellow brick. No, Belina, you don't understand. This was the yellow brick road. You'll share with Dorothy Gale the shock of finding everything mysteriously changed. What's happened to everybody? And you'll delight with her discovery of four wonderful new friends who band together against a wicked queen and the dreaded Gnome King. This is the Oz you haven't seen before. And this is the Oz you'll want to visit again and again. 
From Walt Disney Pictures comes a whole new world of entertainment. Why don't we just fly back to Kansas? Return to Oz. Envelope to Davis and Kirk. 
right down that hello everybody welcome back to the walt disney world happy easter parade coming to you live from the magic kingdom in florida we've got lots more parade coming your way with mickey and minnie the little mermaid ariel and much much more yes and air traffic control has just issued a poppins alert here there's been a merry sighting <laughs> if there's a shift in the air over main street it's got to be a magical feeling in the air and there she is mary poppins dancing down main street with her pal, Bert, of course. Oh, look at the little girl in a little Mary Poppins outfit. Is that a mini Mary. A mini Mary. And those dancing penguins in behind. Everybody dances here at Disney World, even me. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2. A quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. I thought I'd start this week by sharing one of my favorite Easter memories. Like most moms, mine always dress me up in frills and flowers for Easter, and always with a matching Easter bonnet. Well, one year when I was about five, my mom asked my dad to take me out shopping for my Easter bonnet, and I'm kind of a daddy's girl, so I got to pick exactly what I wanted, which just so happened to be a flower-printed baseball cap. My mom's reaction was probably pretty priceless, but I sure did love that hat, and I looked pretty cute in it, too. Now, if you're at Disney World this weekend, make sure to try some of the special Easter treats. In the Magic Kingdom, they have a carrot cake cupcake with cream cheese icing and an adorable white chocolate rabbit cupcake from the Cheshire Cafe. And at Epcot, Fountain View has a chocolate cupcake with marshmallow filling that sounds amazing. If you need a place to catch Easter brunch, Boma Flavors of Africa at the Animal Kingdom Lodge will have extended hours on Sunday. They'll be open from 7.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Not only will you get an amazing meal, but the tables will be set with Easter candy ready for you to take home too. If you want to see something fun while at Animal Kingdom, make sure to check out the brand new sand sculpture to celebrate the next Disney nature film, Monkey Kingdom. It's pretty amazing. Monkey Kingdom will be out in theaters on Earth Day this month. And last but not least, Trader Sam's Grog Grotto is now having a soft opening at the Polynesian Village Resort, so stop by and take a peek if you'd like to finally experience Trader Sam's for yourself. The official opening will be late this month. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly! What does springtime mean to you? Spring cleaning day! No way! Springtime means... All the flowers are booming! <laughs> we get to go hunt Easter eggs! Makes me feel downright peaceful. <laughs> are you ready for your very first Easter egg hunt? You bet! Join Winnie the Pooh. My tummy and I have been so looking forward to this day. And his friends <laughs> in an all-new movie. The grandest Easter ever. Oh, exciting. Winnie the Pooh. Springtime with Rue. Sounds awfully festive. I did a glorious night, right as a morning in mine. I feel like I could fly. Now, Bert, none of your larking about. Have you ever seen the grass so green or a bluer sky? 
Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Mary makes your heart so light. You haven't changed a bit, have you? When the day is gray and ordinary, Mary makes the sun shine bright. Oh, honestly. Oh, happiness is blooming all around her. The daffodils are smiling at the dove. When Mary holds your hand, you feel so grand. Your heart starts beating like a big brass band. <laughs> you are lightheaded. It's a jolly holiday with Mary. No wonder that it's Mary that we love. It's a jolly holiday with Mary. Mary makes your heart so light. When the day is grey and ordinary, Mary makes the sun shine bright. Oh, happiness is blooming all around her. The daffodils are smiling at the dove. When Mary holds your hand, you feel so grand. Your heart starts beating like a big brass band. <laughs> it's a jolly holiday with Mary. No wonder that it's Mary that we love. Vanishing breed, that's me. Though you're just a diamond in the rough bird, underneath your blood is blue. Common knowledge. You'd never think of pressing your advantage. Forbearance is the hallmark of your creed. True. 
A lady needn't fear when you are near. Your sweet gentility is crystal clear. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with you, Bert. A jolly, jolly holiday with you. It's true that Mivas and Sybil have ways that are winning, and Prudence and Gwendolyn said you're out spinning. Phoebe's delightful, Maud is disarming. Janice? Felicia? Lydia? Charming. Cynthia's dashing, Vivian sweet, Stephanie smashing Priscilla a treat. Veronica? Millicent? Agnes? And Jane? Convivial company, Diamond again. Dorcas and Phyllis and Glynis are sorts. I'll agree with three jolly good sports, but cream of the crop, dip of the top, it's, it's Mary, Mary Poppins, and there we stop. Hi, this is Mark Elliott, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. And now, our feature presentation. Hi again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. Happy Easter to you and your family. It's quickly approaching coming this weekend. So, in light of that, here we're going to go hopping down the bunny trail of history and checking out some new Disney facts and potential trivia again. Branching off of that, let's begin. Starting out this week in Disney history, we begin in 1838, when Mary Richardson, who's Walt Disney's paternal grandmother, is born in Ireland. In 1889, character actor Herman Bing, the voice of ring, the ringmaster in Disney's 1941 Dumbo, is born in Germany. In 1908, actor Buddy Ebsen, who portrayed George Russell in Disney's Davy Crockett films and TV shows, is born in Illinois. One year later, in 1909, director, writer, and animator Jack Kinney is born in Utah. In 1918, legendary entertainer Pearl Bailey, who was the voice of Big Mama in Disney's 81 animated feature film The Fox and the Hound, is born in Newport News, Virginia. In 1928, poet, educator, author, actress, and activist Maya Angelou, one of the original voices of Walt Disney World's The Hall of Presidents attraction, is born in St. Louis, Missouri. In 1930, actor John Astin, Bill Andrews in Disney's 76 Freaky Friday, is born in Baltimore, Maryland. And also in 1930, Clarabelle Cow makes her first appearance in, in Mickey Mouse's comic strip. Redo this part. In 1930, actor John Astin, who played Bill Andrews in Disney's 76 Freaky Friday, is born in Baltimore, Maryland. And also in 1930, Clarabelle Cow made her first appearance in the Mickey Mouse comic strip. In 1932, actress Estelle Harris, who's the voice of Mrs. Potato Head in both Toy Story 2 and 3, is born in New York City. In 1934, Ward Kimball, who will become one of Walt's nine old men, starts work at Disney Studios as an apprentice. In 1943, comic actor, writer, and film director Eric Idle, who played Dr. Nigel Channing of Honey Has Shrunk the Audience and Journey into the Imagination. Redo this. <clears throat> In 1943, comic actor, writer, and film director Eric Idle, who played Dr. Nigel Channing of Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and Journey into Your Imagination, as well as the voices of Mr. Parentheses in TV's Hercules and Pluto, Angel, and Mickey Mouse Works, is born in England. Also in 1943, three, redo this part. Also in 1943, actress Linda Hunt, the voice of the grandmother, redo it again. Also in 1943, actress... Redo 1943. 
And also in 1943, actress Linda Hunt, the voice of Grandmother Willow in Disney's Pocahontas and Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World, is born in Morristown, New Jersey. In 1944, actor Craig T. Nelson, who you may know as the voice of Bob Parr and Mr. Incredible, as well as Coach, is born... Redo 1944. Actor Craig T. Nelson, who you may recognize as Bob Parr and Mr. Incredible in 2004's Disney Pixar feature The Incredibles, as well as the coach himself, is born in Spokane, Washington. In 1946, animator Frank Thomas, one of Walt's nine old men, returned to work at the Disney studio after serving four years in the Army Air Corps during the Second World War. In 1953, Walt Disney signs a contract that will change the face of entertainment forever. The two-page document gives Walt Disney Incorporated the right and license to use its own product name for all commercial purposes. By signing this document, Walt has made it possible now for the Disneyland theme park and later such TV series such as Walt Disney Presents and The Wonderful World of Disney to take place. In 1961, actress Amy Sedaris, who was the voice of Foxy Loxy in 2005's The Chick or Chicken Little, was born in New York. And also in 1961, movie star and comedian Eddie Murphy is born in Brooklyn, New York which his Disney credits include the live-action Haunted Mansion and the animated Mulan as the Dragon Mushu. In 1968, singer Celine Dion, who in 1992 released the Disney duet with Peebo Bryson, Beauty and the Beast, which won a Grammy, is born in Quebec, Canada. In 1969, TV host Samantha Brown is born in Dallas, Texas. You'll recognize Samantha as the host of several travel programs for the Travel Channel, including Great Hotels, which has featured many Disney World resorts. Her Disney-themed programs also include Disney Holiday Magic with Samantha Brown and the Walt Disney World Holidays. And in 2011, Brown began hosting a series of Disney videos for Disney Online. Moving on to 1971, actor Ewan McGregor, the voice of Valiant in Disney's 2005 animated Valiant, as well as Obi-Wan Kenobi himself in Star Wars, is born in Scotland. In 1972, actress Lee Allen Baker, who played Amy Duncan as the mother on the original Disney Channel series Good Luck Charlie, is born in Murray, Kentucky. You may also recognize Lee Allen Baker from 2008. As you recall, she appeared on several episodes of Hannah Montana playing Mickey, who was a morning show host. <clears throat> Redo 1972. In 1972, actress Lee Allen Baker, who played Amy Duncan, the mother on the original Disney Channel series Good Luck Charlie, is born in Murray, Kentucky. You may also recognize her from late 2000, as she appeared on Hannah Montana on several episodes, playing Mickey, a morning show host. In 1985, the Frontierland Shootin' Arcade opens in Disneyland. In 1990, Rock and Roll Beach Club, which was a rock-themed dance club, opened in Disney World's Pleasure Island. In 1996, the city of Anaheim and the Walt Disney Corporation join hands and agree on a deal that will keep the Angels playing baseball in Anaheim until at least the year 2018. Disney committed $88 million and the city $30 million to a three-year renovation of Edison International Field, which is the home of the Angels, to make it a more compact baseball-only facility. In 2001, the Main Street Electrical Parade in the Disney's Magic Kingdom at Disney World had its last run. Eventually, the Spectrum Magic Parade will return to the Magic Kingdom in its place. And also in 2001, Spectro Magic returned to the Magic Kingdom after a two-year hiatus at Walt Disney World, replacing the Main Street Electrical Parade. In 2003, Toon Disney, the 24-hour all-animation cable network, began a month-long anniversary to mark its fifth year, which officially began on April 18th. 
In 2004, Fess Parker, known for his Disney role as Davy Crockett and later Daniel Boone, appeared in Washington, D.C. to donate one of his original caps as well as a buckskin ensemble to the Smithsonian National Museum. And also in 2004, after a $92 million expansion, the U.S. Army reopens its military-only Walt Disney World Resort, Shades of Green. Moving on to 2007, Disney's newest animated feature, Meet the Robinsons, featuring the voices of Tom Selleck, Lori Metcalf, Angela Bassett, Nicole Sullivan, and Adam West is released. And also in 2007, the late Roger Brogy, Disney's original Imagineer and a 1990 Disney legend, gets honored with a window on Disneyland's Main Street. And also in 2007, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, a Disney World attraction in Tomorrowland opens. Replacing the Circle Vision attraction, The Timekeeper, this attraction is based upon the Disney Pixar animated film Monsters, Inc. and features the characters Mike Wazowski and Roz. Moving on to 2008, Disney Channel began broadcasting in high definition. And in 2009, Disney Channel's newest animated series, Special, Special Agent Oso, debuted in the U.S. with two back-to-back -back episodes. In 2010, Disney Channel debuted its newest sitcom, Good Luck Charlie, drawing in over 4.8 million viewers. In 2011, acclaimed author Ridley Pearson visited Walt Disney World to celebrate the launch of his newest book, Kingdom Keepers 4 Power Play. In 2012, a 12-inch Buzz Lightyear toy that spent over 15 months orbiting the Earth on the International Space Station gets donated to the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. Also in 2012, Disneyland Paris' 20th anniversary celebration began. And closing out this week in Disney History D-Heads, we end in 2014 when Captain America the Winter Soldier, produced by Marvel and distributed by Walt Disney Motion Pictures, is released in the United States. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something maybe that you didn't know. I hope you have a great Easter with your family. Enjoy the time off and make sure that you really focus on them and uh, enjoy the time that you guys have together. As always, have a great week and see you real soon. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30th full-length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. Good. A girl. The classic story of Beauty and the Beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell. And she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. She's the one. She has come to break the spell. They were two complete opposites. I don't want to have anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so... And so unsure. Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon? Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invaders. <laughs> and dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. This holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast.
Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of those, with this being Easter weekend, is all those times you head to the theaters with your family. The great, fun, family entertainment kind of movies, as well as looking into the future with sci-fi and all kinds of alien encounters. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of you. You may know him as a boy that turned into a monkey from Jumanji, The Borrowers, and of course, somebody with a little chip knocked out of him as Chip from Beauty and the Beast, as well as many things up and coming on the horizon. We have none other than Mr. Bradley Pierce here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, how's it going? It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, your credits, so many different things that you have accomplished over many years and played a part in many people's lives from their childhood and many of them growing up. Uh, I guess, as I always say, and I'm sure our listeners are like, oh, here he goes again. But as I always say, I always have to start this one. What got you started into acting? I got started in acting uh, when I was about six. I was always helping my grandma and my mom out at a restaurant that my grandmother owned in Arizona. And I had asked to get into acting because it looked like fun, but I was in Arizona. It wasn't something that was really an option. Uh, and some executives from Fox that were doing a location scout came in, and they were having lunch in the restaurant. And they pulled my mom aside at one point and said, your son, since he's so outgoing and so precocious, and he looks young for his age, he'd do well in the business. Have you ever thought about putting him in acting? Uh, my mom said, not really, but he has asked. So... Um, they gave her some information on how to get started. We came out to California for a three-day trip. We were going to meet with some agents on the first and second day and then go to Disneyland on the third. Um, one of the agencies that we met with uh, was really interested in taking me on. They basically convinced my mom that we should stay out here for a little while and at least give it a shot. And so we did. Instead of going to Disneyland the third day, we were apartment hunting. We found a furnished place and got you know, clothes and pots and pans and all those other necessities and stayed out here. Uh, about two, maybe three weeks later, I actually booked my first job. It was a Aunt Jemima syrup commercial. And you know, a few weeks later, a McDonald's commercial, and then another commercial, another commercial, and then some TV stuff, and it just sort of blew up from there. Um, ended up going to Disneyland about six months later. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the kind of thing, like you said, it really did just seem like it was in the cards. You know, it, you followed that and it was one thing after another after another. And then you also went on to, you know, guest star in many TV shows like Roseanne and Mad About You and Lois and Clark and so many others. And of course, that's going to lead me to, for all of our Disney fans out there, uh, landing the voice role for Chip in Beauty and the Beast, which, you know, was the only animated feature to be up for, you know, movie of the year and everything else before they created an animation division of the Oscars. I guess, how did you land that role of doing the voice of Chip? Um, that one I actually read for almost a year before they called me to hire me. Uh, and initially it was just one line. Um, it was, uh, I think Mama, there was a, there's a girl in the castle was the first line they had written. And then when I did get called in to do it, again, like a year and a half later, I was eight, I think, when I did my first session, and they they liked me, and they liked what I brought to the character, and so they added a couple of more lines, and a couple more, a couple more. It took almost two years by the end of it to film that, but 
the way I finally, I guess, heard about it was um, about a year later, they got a call and said, hey, you remember that voiceover that you read for a while ago? They want to bring you in to record. And it was one audition a year before that, and they they decided to bring me in. Well, you know, and working on something like that and being part of a Disney movie, of course, like you said, you know, eight years old at the time, Disney was no stranger to you. Um, was there, I guess, you know, I know you were younger, but was there that excitement that, hey, you are going to, you know, read lines for possibly a Disney movie? Oh, yeah. It was, um, there's been a few projects that I've gone out for um, that just going in the first time was exciting. And, um, you know, it's kind of that rush of, wow, I could do something for Disney um, because everybody loves Disney. Everybody, uh, especially kids. I was I was one of those kids that watched the Disney Channel every Saturday morning, and I knew all the cartoons. And of course, if a new Disney movie came out, I was going to go watch it. So the idea of being a part of that Disney world was uh, was really exciting. I didn't get my hopes up really until they finally gave me that call but it was uh it was really exciting it was awesome still one of those things to look back on you know hard to believe that i got to be a part of that a part of that well you know and with that and being part of all those magic and memories with disney and you know beauty and the beast was part of that rebirth of the disney animated films you know that rebirth with all the the new films and whatnot and when you went to the theaters, and I'm assuming you did, and watching yourself on screen being this animated character, was there still that magic, even though you knew it was you? Yeah, um, the the magic of a Disney film is way beyond whatever goes into it. It's it's a oh, let me see how to say this. It, it transcends just acting. It's the storytelling is so rich and the animation was so great. It just, it carries you into that world, even if you knew what was coming. And that, you know, that's what's great about working with Disney is the, the team they put together and the way that they can produce such a beautiful film is really wonderful. Well, you know, and with that too, and putting it together, and of course seeing all the merchandise and how much Beauty and the Beast has now gone on to be a classic among Disney films, um, does it still amaze you to this day, one, how much the film still just holds up? And also, you know, do you ever feel that connection when you're walking through the store or any of the parks, or even with your own children and family, when you you know you see many of these things and you feel that connection uh, to the character, Chip? I do. It's actually um, interesting because Yes, with kids um, and my own, they do enjoy the movie, but I feel like because of when it was released, a lot of the people that are in my generation are the ones that I really end up connecting with about Chip. Um, I've got a friend who he just got really excited because he picked up the Chip Pop, uh, Chip and Mrs. Pop's Pop vinyl figurines. He's like, oh, can you please sign this for me? I'm like, yeah, of course. But it's a it brings out that kid in everybody, which is fun. Definitely. You know, and well, I mean, and like you said, you know, you connect with your generation. I mean, my wife is the exact same age as you, and she loves, you know, Chip and all those characters. And like you said, it must be something about that generation. Whereas myself, I pass it on to my daughter, and, you know, they just, they love Chip. They There's something about it where they want to have an actual Chip cup to drink from. Yeah, it's uh, it's great because Chip is really the only way for kids to embrace Beauty and the Beast. There really isn't um, a lot of 
that childhood element in it. Obviously, you've got the love story, but that tends to play for adults. Um, so Chip is not only the child in the movie, but he is the child's window into the movie. So they all connect with him a lot, which is great. You know, moving aside from, you know, being Chip and Beauty and the Beast, you've also been a part of many different things on screen with just as much, I guess, influence for generations. And of course, Jumanji and, uh, you know, being part of that film, which was a fantastic film, you know, especially for the era it came out. That was kind of the birth of, you know, CGI and CGI graphics and working alongside with the late, uh, you know, great Robin Williams. Uh, What was it like working on that film? Because, I mean, that was almost like a child's dream come true with that kind of game and movie and that fantasy, that family entertainment? Oh, it was definitely an amazing experience on Jumanji. Um, you, you said a dream come true, and it really was. That was one of those ones that I mentioned earlier. That just going into, like, it was the callback, I think, where we actually went to the production office, and they had these models of the house and these concept drawings and everything all around the room where they were doing all the stuff, and I went, I want to work on this movie. And I actually, you know, I was so excited for the possibility of doing it just because it was so rich and there was so much going on. And when I finally did get that call, it was, I celebrated like crazy. And that's, and only after that did I find out that Robin Williams was a part of it. Bonnie Hunt was a part of it. And the shoot itself was great. We had... So many wonderful people, uh, cast and crew, that were on there. And experience I never thought in a million years I'd get to have. I mean, everything from the makeup, which initially I was um, not excited about. Uh, it took like three and a half hours to put it on and an hour to take it off every day. So it was um, – I got used to it, but it was very, uh, very difficult at times to deal with. But then there was the, you know, running through a house that – was a full-size house, and they had it shaking like there was an earthquake going on. Um, we had the house that was built in the wave tank. We were swimming. We were doing cannonballs off the second floor. We were having a great time in this giant pool. Um, it was just all of these experiences tied together that I am blessed to be able to have in my memory well you know and like you said too you know from the special effects as well as you know like i said it was the birth of cgi but many practical effects like the makeup that you had to wear like you said and you know having this house that's shaking and you know working with a great cast bonnie hunt kirsten dunce i mean you know robin williams now in working on that do you have i guess any great fun stories from the side that only being on the set is something that you're just gonna you know take to your memoirs uh forever Oh, yeah, there's a lot of great stories from working on that. Uh, With uh, Robin Williams, he was such a great, uh, generous person. He was so giving of his knowledge and of his time and stuff. But also, obviously, everybody's always laughing. Um, The entire primary cast, with the exception of Kirsten Dunst and myself, were all professional stand-up comedians at some point in their careers. So... Most of the jokes went over uh, Kirsten and I's head because we were too young for them. But a lot <laughs> of it was just um, just the constant laughter. Uh, one of the best moments, I guess, was just we had to reshoot and reshoot and reshoot some of the sequences with uh, Van Pelt when he was first coming in just because there was always a joke right before you know the big 
when the doors are blown open and stuff, uh, Robin always had some little quip that he would throw out right as he stood up. And if we couldn't maintain a straight face, we'd have to start over. So that one shot took forever just because he kept doing these little ad-lib jokes that ended up not in the film, but they were so much fun to do. Well, you know, and like that, too, like I said, you know, such great things, great casts, uh, good memories. Now, in flipping through the channels on any given weekend, um, you know, it, does it ever surprise you that they still play that movie so avidly for generations? And it almost truly doesn't age because anyone can watch it. Even, you know, kids that are seven, eight year old now just love that film. Does that ever surprise you that it's held up for so long? Yeah, it's. It's interesting because when we were shooting it, they said that they didn't want to have anything that was very time-specific in the in the movie. Obviously, there was the actual timeline, 1969 to 1994. Um, I think it was 94. I don't remember what year it was supposed to be. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the fact that they allowed it to just play, it just works on so many levels. It doesn't have to be anywhere or any time, it just works for everybody. There's these moments that are just so human. It's not about the game, it's not about the animals or anything like that. It's just these connections between people, and everybody can relate to that, kids and adults. Definitely. You know, and with that, too, you know, that movie has held up so many great things. And there's always talks of reboots and remakes, but nothing's going to beat the original. And that's also going to lead me to another role, you know, in looking back here before we look forward and being able to work with another great actor, with John Goodman, and being part of the Borrowers, which, you know, many of us who have grown up in the 80s love the cartoon animated series, The Littles. And then, you know, being part of the Borrowers, which kind of is a variation of that. What was it like working on that kind of film where it was just uh, just as uh, fun and wacky and, and timeless? Oh, that movie was fun um, in, a, in a similar way to Jumanji, but also very different. Um, it was a smaller shoot, and it was um, done in London as opposed to Vancouver, so the, the crew had a different feel to it. Um, it was also partially because I was older, but I really felt more, I don't want to say professional, because that's not really the right word, uh, but I took it more seriously, I guess is a good way to say it. And I realized that I was part of something that could be could be huge. And uh, it was so much fun doing all the green screen work for that one, because whenever the um, the borrowers were with people, they would film in a practical as an example, the fishbowl was a 16-foot-tall actual glass bowl that this um, that Arietti was in. They'd film that in front of the green screen, and then they would film me talking to an empty bowl and put it together. So it was a different experience connecting those two. It was, uh, in a way, a, a bigger scale than Jumanji, but in a way also very different. Um, it was uh, It was a lot of fun. 
Well, and just as timeless. Now, you know, one thing, you know, looking looking at your career and being part of all these different, uh, you know, facets, you know, from Jumanji and, you know, the iconic Beauty and the Beast and many other things, you've also lent your voice to many other things where, uh, you know, it also plays this huge role in people's lives like Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, you know, being part of that as well as Arnold and Kipper the Dog. I guess uh, for many of those in those areas, uh, Sonic has j- such a big following. I mean, second to Mario Brothers, I'd say. And, you know, what was it like being part of some of these iconic things, looking back at your career where Sonic is still holding up today? Yeah, um, Sonic, the Saturday Saturday morning cartoon, was probably one of the more recognizable things that I've done, aside from uh, Jumanji and Beauty and the Beast, because it was that ritual for so many people that every morning they would watch their Saturday morning cartoons. And one of them uh, was Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was Tails for several years in that. I got to work with some amazing voice actors who I think in general are given a lot less credit than they're due. Voice acting is a very different kind of acting. And um, Jim Cummings, uh, Christine Cavanaugh, who unfortunately uh, have lost recently as well as uh, some of the others, uh, Jaleel White was in that. Uh, he was Sonic. I worked with great people on that as well, but the voice acting community, people don't get really recognized out of the cartoon era as much as out of films, but they are some of the more talented people that I've ever worked with. Definitely, you know, especially because you have to bring that to life and you have to bring that character to life and make it believable. And you were part, like I said, you know, with Sonic on the TV series and many other TV series, too, like The Little Mermaid, you know, where you picked up the voice of Flounder and and many others. Now, in doing that kind of thing and having it be that ritual on Saturday mornings, um, do you feel that it's just that that? time and that place where, you know, it still is relevant even today where there is this era and this love. I do see it in your children where they have to wake up and watch their favorite cartoons. And uh, it's the same ritual as when you are participating in these. Well, honestly, I don't think that the ritual is the same for kids now as it used to be because there's so much uh, available with technology. I mean, I know that my kids, at least, they generally don't turn on the TV Saturday morning. They have the stuff that they like to watch on Netflix, and they watch their shows Saturday morning when they feel like it, rather than you have to be up by 8.30 and turn on, you know, whatever channel it is to watch your show. They can watch it when they want. And I think that that has changed some of that uh, that ritual of the Saturday morning cartoon. But I think that uh, cartoons are still an important part of childhood. I think that it's uh, something that kids need and they can connect with each other. But I do think the technology has changed the way that that ritual is performed. Definitely. You know, and I can see that with streaming media and whatnot. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's other things I could come back to about that as well. But since we are talking about streaming media and moving forward, I mean, you have many other things that are up and coming as well, including a partnership with one of our past guests, J. Paul Zimmerman, on this show. Would you like to let our listeners in more about that? Uh, Yeah, actually, um, J. Paul and I had connected about a year and a half ago and started up a production company uh, called ZFO Entertainment. 
and we are the last word in geek entertainment. We specialize in everything from sci-fi and fantasy. We do some horror stuff. Um, and right now, we're primarily a press outlet. We do a lot of interviews and things like that at comic excuse me, um, interviews and things like that at Comic-Con, some of the other festivals and conventions around Los Angeles and nearby cities. And we also do a news minute. Um, But we're producing some of our own original content as well. We've got our first film, Vultures, is uh, in the can, as they say, and being edited right now. We have plans for our next series of shorts. We're going to start filming those in April. And, um, you know, we're just starting to get speed uh, producing new content. And that will all be released uh, on YouTube initially, uh, which is uh, the channel is ZF Online. Um, And that's the same ID for most of the social media. That would be the same for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook uh, to find us. Well, you know, and like you said, you are the the ultimate in geek fandom and whatnot. Now, with that, is that something where it's an area of, you know, a personal love of yours where you love a little bit of that horror and that sci-fi and that whole, you know, cosplay era, you know, kind of uh, Comic-Con feel? Is that something that you've always been a part of that you really personally enjoy as well? Um, to be honest, I've always liked sci-fi, but my passion lies more with horror, um, whereas Jay paul is more from the sci-fi background. Uh, it's it's a good partnership because I can bring in some of the elements of horror and things like that that I love, and he has the love of sci-fi and the creativity and the vision there. So the two of us together work well. Um, we're doing the sci-fi and cons as a press outlet mostly because it's a good way to connect with other people that also have those interests. And I think that, the conventions and stuff like that, I've found a love for sci-fi that I didn't realize I had since I've been going to see Oh, yeah, I remember that movie or that show, and I've started re-watching some of these things and finding out new things. I've recently gotten hooked on Doctor Who and um, have been watching the Serenity uh, Firefly series just to try to get back into those because Somehow or another, I managed to miss the boat on both of those. Well, you know, and with that, too, you guys could always join together your forces and enjoy some sci-fi horror like Event Horizon or some things like that where it joins both of your forces together. Yeah, um, actually, uh, the team from Amalgamated Dynamics, ADI, the company that did the physical effects for Jumanji, uh, just recently released a film, or rather just recently finished a film called Harbinger Down that uh, some of my friends were involved in the cast, and I also am still in close contact with Tom and Alec from ADI. And so I got to interview them for the channel. That should be up soon, I hope. And um, so, and that's in that sci-fi horror genre as well, sort of ties them together really. Well, definitely, you know, and with that, too, you know, there's always the sci-fi, the horror, and I like to lump gaming into that as well, because I'm sure that there's a lot of that crossover or whatnot. Now, you know, with uh, ZFO and moving forward like this, like you said, you have so many different things on the horizon. Um, was this, uh, when you partnered up with him, was that something where you realized, this is something that we just love and we know we're going to take it places, and it kind of just sparked the idea right from the start, or was it kind of a slow idea that you guys finally said, all right, let's kick ourselves in the pants and let's make this happen? Well, uh, the way it actually happened is he came to me 
uh, Jay Paul came to me and said, hey, I've got this idea for a few short films that I want to do, and I want to see if you'd be interested in helping. And so I read through what he had, and the next time we got together, I said, hey, I think that you're thinking too small. I think that the idea of putting together some really great sci-fi films is good, but I think we can do more than that. I think we can make a channel or a home base for geeks of all varieties to come and, you know, share their passion for sci-fi as well. So how about we start off trying to connect people with the content they love, and then we can start producing content from there as well. And he thought it was a great idea, and that was the, the path that we decided to take. So it's uh, hopefully it right at the beginning of its growth cycle, and we're going to be uh, making it huge, hopefully, within the next couple of years. Definitely, you know, and brings you full circle back to many things where you, you know, you guest starred even, you know, earlier on in your career, like being part of Star Trek Voyager and many of those as well. Now, we know you're busy and so many different things on the horizon, but I know some of our Disney fans are going to want me to, you know, push back to be Chip, Beauty and the Beast. So I guess I might as well answer, ask one of these questions that one of our listeners has asked. And is there one part of the film of Beauty and the Beast doesn't have to be Chip scene and uh, that really just is one of your favorites? And also, is there a favorite song? Um, okay. Favorite part of the movie, um, I like the the first, I guess, chip bath scene when they throw him in the bathtub and he comes up and he spits the water out. Um, I like that scene not just because of the scene but because of the story behind it. Um, I had gone to spend some time with my uncle and uh, he had a pool we were swimming around and he taught me how to shoot water out from between the gap in my teeth and I was so <laughs> proud of that that I felt like I had to show that to the cast to the director and they decided that they were going to build that into the character in that scene so that little bit is is a total me moment and so I really like that in the scene um, my favorite song I'm, how can you not love Tale as Old as Time? I think that that's probably one of, I mean, it is the most iconic song, I think, in the film. And it really, it really sums up everything that that movie was supposed to be to me. Definitely. You know, it really does sum up that whole movie. And, you know, it really brings it full circle. You know, there's many people who will debate on what's the, the best song. But, you know, hearing that little backstory of why that scene is so important to you, I think, is what gives our listeners that little bit of insight as to what it was like being Chip. And, of course, you know, you weren't just left there because you were part of another Disney film that was released in theaters that we should have brought up earlier in Return to Neverland and being Nibs. And, you know, for a sequel, everyone was debating, oh, I don't know about the sequel, but Return to Neverland had just the same kind of magic as the original Peter Pan. Uh, what was it like being part of that film? That was a lot of fun. That was one of the few... Um, that was different for me as a voiceover because Beauty and the Beast, I recorded separately from the other actors 98% of the time, whereas Return to Neverland, all of the Lost Boys, for the most part, recorded at the same time. Uh, so it was a very different experience. It was a lot of fun because there was that... Uh, real interaction with the other Lost Boys. Uh, it was a fun movie, and I really liked being able to kind of create a part that already existed. Uh, Nibs, who was the rabbit in the original Peter Pan, 
really only had a couple of lines in the original film. So all of the character that he was, I got to sort of build that, and that was a lot of fun for me. Well, now, you know, in looking back at your career, like things like Return to Neverland, Beauty and the Beast, Jumanji, um, even your newer things, or guest appearances on television, you know, being a father myself, I understand how it is when, you know, your your children see different things of you at different ages. Are they ever amazed that that was dad on TV or that's dad's voice? Yeah, um, actually, uh, my eldest son, uh, who is an actor now as well, he was watching Jumanji at one point. Uh, this was years ago, and he says, "That's you, Dad." When I had the makeup, I said, "Yeah, that's still me." And he was like, "Can I be on TV too?" Yeah, <laughs> we can give it a try. So, um, you know, that's what got him started in acting. But yeah, it was fun to try to watch him figure out that that was still me, even though it didn't look like me with the makeup on, because um, it was—I think it was about six. So it was right as he was starting to figure out movie magic and, and how it worked. Very cool. Well, you know, we know you're busy. So many different things on the horizon. But, you know, so many great things from your past, from Jumanji, Beauty and the Beast, Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, Return to Neverland, countless TV shows like Roseanne, Star Trek Voyager, and, of course, your newest outlet with ZFO Entertainment. I guess for everybody tuning in and listening, um, before I close it out with one more question, um, what are the, all the different ways that they could stay connected with you online or anywhere else? Okay, yeah, Um I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I try and keep myself very active on all of those. And if you want to find me, the tag is at Mr. Bradley Pierce. That's M-R Bradley Pierce. Um, and that'll get me on all of those. So if you want to find out what I'm up to lately or just want to get in touch, those all work really well, and I will do my best to respond to everybody. Fantastic. And if everybody wants to check out your newest venture, uh, ZFOentertainment.com. Now, with that, um, the final question I have to ask out there that I always leave for everybody is, as we let you go, with all the listeners out there, all the fans of Bradley Pierce, what are your final lasting words of wisdom or words of thanks or anything out there for all of your fans tuning in? Um, Always dream bigger. Whatever your dream is, think about a way to get there and then make it bigger because um, the quote is uh, always let aim for the star- aim for the moon because even if you miss you'll land amongst the stars I've noticed in my life if you if you aim high you just might hit it um, if you aim low you might hit it too uh, so that would be my like words of wisdom Fantastic. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you stop in, take this trip down memory lane, and help all of us celebrate Easter here at the show with, you know, great family entertainment, great memories, and you are always welcome back anytime, and it was a pleasure having you stop in. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Cooper. And their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that thing that sort of pushed us over the, over the edge and really got us sort of excited about the animation possibilities were, were the object characters, the enchanted objects, by populating the beast's castle with all of these servants who were transformed into teapots and clocks and candles and what have you. Mama, there's a girl in the castle. A girl. A girl. Through the casting process, you get a sense of what a character might be. You take a character like um, Mrs. Potts, the teapot. Um, we always knew we wanted um, sort of a British um, 
Oh, Mrs. Bridges from upstairs downstairs. So we thought, okay, Mrs. Bridges, she's sort of a type we can use. And then we did our casting. We came up with Angela Lansbury, and she came in and read for the role, and you get a real sense of, okay, Angela Lansbury is the teapot. Mrs. Potts, uh, I thought, was just exactly the little, fat, comfortable lady that I had envisioned in my mind. And uh, she's very much part of the running of the house. So she's a motherly figure, immediately a motherly figure. A cheer up, child. It'll turn out all right in the end. You'll see. Oh, listen to me. Jabbering on while there's a supper to get on the table. Since yesterday. That's all right. I'll borrow this one. That one? But you've read it twice. Well, it's my favorite. Far off places, daring sword fights, magic spells, a prince in disguise. If you like it all that much, it's yours. But, sir. I insist. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Look, there she goes, that girl is so peculiar. I wonder if she's feeling well. With a dreamy, far off look. Stuck in a book, but a puzzle to the rest of us is bad. Oh, is it this amazing? It's my favorite part because you'll see. Here's when she meets Prince Charming, but she won't discover that. Behind the fair facade, I'm afraid she's rather odd. Very different from the rest of us. She's nothing like the rest of us. Yes, different from the rest of us is Belle. Wow, you did! 
it and it's a shot, Gaston. <laughs> You're the greatest hunter in the whole world. I know. <laughs> no beast alive stands a chance against you. <laughs> and no girl for that matter. It's true, LeFou. And I've got my sights set on that one. Oh, the inventor's daughter? She's the one. The lucky girl I'm going to marry. But she's... The most beautiful girl in town. I know, but... That makes her the best. And don't I deserve the best? Well, of course. I mean, you do, but... Right from the moment when I met her, saw her, I said she's gorgeous and I fell. Here in town there's only she who is beautiful as me. So I'm making plans to woo and marry Belle. Monster Squad and Kids Incorporated, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hey D-Heads, it's me, Paige, finally back with an all-new Magical Music Review. Sorry for my absence, everyone. My calendar has more events on it than Pooh has honey in his honeypots. And add on a much-needed escape from classwork? Let's just say I've been very busy. But now I'm back and very excited to share this week's Magical Music Review with you. This week's guest is Bradley Pierce, who most of you will know as the original voice of Chip in the 1991 classic Beauty and the Beast. Mr. Pierce has many other credits to his name, and one maybe lesser known is another Disney credit, this time on animated television. Mr. Pierce belongs to the long line of stars who helped create such memorable characters in the golden age of Disney animation, and after voicing Chip, he took on the role of Flounder for the first season of The Little Mermaid. This week we're going to look at songs from the show. These songs were released in 1993 as a part of the Little Mermaid Splash Hits. The music for the show was written by Dan Foliart and Mark Waters. Ariel and her friends had several songs throughout the show, and I have two already queued up. So with that said, let's head on down to Atlantica and join Ariel, Flounder, Sebastian, and Urchin for the music of the 1992 TV series The Little Mermaid. Our first song comes from the very first episode, Whale of a Tale. One of the best parts of this show is that a fair amount of the original cast returned, including Jody Benson as Ariel. The main singer in the show, Ariel's voice carries these songs. In Whale of a Tale, Ariel finds a lost baby orca. She convinces Flounder that they need to take care of him. Entitled Just a Little Love, Jody is accompanied mainly by synthesizers and some violins. While the songs in the show were not held to the same caliber as Alan and Howard's songs from the film, they're still enjoyable and enduring. This song in particular is sweet and melodic. It's slower in tempo and sets the mood for the scene. There's a small romantic feeling to the the accompaniment and suggested by the title. Not the feeling of lovey-dovey romance, but it does place emphasis on different emotions. A sweet song I'll leave you with Ariel and see you in a bit. 
About halfway through the season now, we find the episode The Evil Manta. Manta's goal is to take over Atlantica by deceiving the citizens and turning them against each other. But if I know Ariel, she won't stand for it. Coming to us with the song, In Harmony, Ariel reminds her friends to look for what is unique within each other and how they can all live together in harmony. Again accompanied mainly by synthesizers and violins with the addition of a small chorus, brass, and percussion, the song is more upbeat than our last. There is a light energy throughout the song. Some might call this a cutesy kitty song, but I personally do find some enjoyment with it. It presents a good reminder to the viewers and listeners that, just like the characters, you're you, I'm me, and together we can live in harmony. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. Enjoy. What makes someone special? I suppose it all depends. It's what's unique. In each of us That we all share as friends The difference is our differences May be small or great Variety adds spice to life So we should celebrate In harmony Harmony You're you, I'm me Together we can live in harmony Singing, 
with a special quality. And when we sing together, we bring music to the Alrighty, that's all I had for music this week, but I'm not leaving just yet. Spring has finally sprung. I love this time of year. The sun is shining, it's getting warmer, grass is beginning to return to green, and the flowers are coming. And as you know, this weekend is a special weekend. It's Easter weekend! Everyone has their own traditions. The big lunch or dinner, checking the Easter baskets, egg hunts, and the list goes on. My family has those traditions as well, but my favorite part of Easter is going to church on Sunday morning. Being with my family and my church family, reading the story of Christ's resurrection and singing the joy that He has risen. I love the Easter Bunny, don't get me wrong, and I'll be checking my Easter basket as well. But that's a minor detail when it comes to what happens on Easter. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and a peaceful Easter. I'll see you back next time with an all-new Magical Music Review. Until next time, D-Heads, see ya and happy Easter. View of the picturesque Disney Yacht and Beach Club Resort. And we are back at the Walt Disney World Happy Easter Parade. And happy is right because nothing is going to get in the way of the neat stuff that's coming up, Joan. That's for sure. Let us check up, though, right now on the Easter Bunny's favorite carrot top. That would be Dady Ross. Hey, how's it going, Joan and Reed? I'm having a great time down here. You guys having fun, too? Good. See, we're on Main Street looking for the best place to watch the parade. What's your name, sir? Tom Miller. And where are you from? We're East New Jersey. What do you think of the parade? Great, awesome. This little guy right here, what's your name? Ryan Miller. Ryan, what have you seen so far at the parade? Horses and little warmies. Really? Can I have an Easter hug, buddy? Does this guy look cool or what? Let's keep going. Come on down here. How are you, everybody? Uh, Hello D-Heads and welcome to another segment called Disney Multimedia. My name is Randy Reeker and I'll be giving you the latest news on the Disney company and so much more. Without further delay, let's go ahead and jump in with the latest. If you heard this Disney song, you know exactly how this game can be really addicting. Yep, this game is called Disney Tum Sum. It's also a wonderful collectible stuffed animals based on the Disney characters. And the name is simple and unique. The name Tum Sum means stack stack in Japanese, and the plush animals are designed to sit on top of each other. These toys were first introduced in Japan in 2013 to accommodate the Disney's Japanese popular mobile game with the same name. And also in 2014, it has sold 1.8 million toys. Disney began selling these toys also in the United States in 
July of 2014, and also in Disneyland Paris the following month. Disney also has entered the market in South Korea by giving out icons for their chiding systems, like their instant messaging programs. Now, just recently, Disney has announced they're going to be possibly changing their name. Yes, I got a notification, yes, that means we're going to be changing the name to the app itself, Disney's uh, little combination app, Line, L-I-N-E app, have announced to their users for their feedback. So if you have the app, download it, it's part of the Disney's Thumbsum network, and voice your opinion. They have announced little uh, name changes that you can vote and make your submission. Now, this type of su suggestions to the names could be called Zoom Zoom, Zoom Zoom, Stack Stack, and other different possible choices that you can vote. Now, make sure you have the app installed on your Android or iOS device through the Apple Store or Google Play. Make sure you have your, your screen name itself signed in and you're, you're set. Uh, make sure you have it entered in so Disney can tally their marks and possibly we'll see the name change coming later this year. Now, you can also buy these wonderful stackable plush animals at the Disney store. They also have a nice promotion on every Tuesday. They release a new Tumsum that you can buy and add to your wonderful collection. It's like starting from Cinderella, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Snow White, uh, Marie from the Aristocats, uh, Leo and Stitch, and so much more. Now, have you guys played it recently? Or have you tried to try to collect the holiday editions? Well, since Easter is just around the corner, you can download the new Easter series where the Disney's Tumsum characters are wearing their Easter attire. Yes, the bunny ears, the eggs, and wonderful festive Easter sound bites that you can play in here during the game itself. So that's during the Easter celebration. Also, you can there's uh, in-game apps where you can add additional rubies, hearts, and as well wonderful time extensions. This game is so much fun and very addicting, yes. Um, my wife and I have even a competition trying to see how many tumsums we can collect and also how many hearts we can give each other. Yes. We need more friends. <laughs> we need more friends, so definitely sign up and see you in the game itself. It's a very fun, fun multiplayer a game, addicting game. Now hopefully there's going to be more releasing holiday editions like the Winnie Pooh series, there's also a Polka Dot series, and also Expression series, which were they wink, they nudge, they blink their eyes. Very cool, very fun little animation notes that Disney, the app creators did. Well, this is Randy signing off for this Disney Multimedia Breaking News app. Be sure to tune in next time for the latest news. See ya next time. Go to school today.
A mule is an animal with long funny ears. He kicks up at anything he hears. His back is brawny and his brain is weak. He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak. And by the way, if you hate to go to school, well, you could grow up to be a mule. How would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. And be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a pig? A pig? A pig is an animal with dirt on his face. His shoes are a terrible disgrace. He has no manners when he eats his food. He's fat and lazy and extremely rude. So if you don't give a feather or a fig, Point, you may grow up point, to be point, a point, point, hog. How would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. And be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a fish? Now a fish is an animal who swims in a brook. He can't write his name or read a book. To fool the people is his only thought. Although he's slippery, he still gets caught. And so if that's the kind of life that you wish, you could grow up to be a fish. How would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. And be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a goat? A goat? A goat bah, is an bah, animal with a whiskery bah, chin. Bah, you can't bah, keep him out or keep him in. He'll eat through fences, everything in sight. Even brandies, undies, and my brand new kite. So if you just think that reading is a joke, you could grow up to be a goat. And all the monkeys aren't in the zoo Every day you meet quite a few So you see, it's all up to you You could be better than you are You could be swinging on a all right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed our Easter show here to celebrate Easter, which is coming up in just a couple of days. It has been a fun, jam-packed show, and first off, I want to extend a very special thank you to our special guest, Mr. Bradley Pierce, for stopping in here this week, sharing some great stories, taking that look back, looking back at our favorite Beauty and the Beast, and many other things, and good luck on your future venture with ZFO. So thank you, Bradley, for stopping in and chatting with all of you D-heads. I know it isn't the last that we've seen of you. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Nathan, Caitlin, Paige, and Randy all for stopping in here this week with their signature segments and making it full of all kinds of fun and more. Remember, you can connect up with the D-team directly on our official website at DizRadio.com. And finally, I want to thank you, the D-heads. Without you, we wouldn't be celebrating our five-year anniversary next week here at the show. That's right, five years of Disney On Demand has officially happened. And we have some great things on the horizon, including some new products that we're actually going to put out there because many of you have asked, and all kinds of goodies. And next week, we're celebrating five years, and that is because of you, the D-heads. So thank you for tuning in, making the show what it is, spreading the word of the show, and allowing us to bring that magic of Disney from your lifetime of Disney every week in the form of this show. We truly are humbled by that. 
So all of you D-heads, before I let you go here this week, I do want to give you all the different ways once more that you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. There you can find our full list of past shows, our complete archives, our latest news blogs, our lifetime of Disney player, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also join up our brand new discussion group on Facebook as well, the D-Wire, the Disney Discussion Group, and just chat with all of us about all kinds of topics that are Disney-related. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio. D-I-Z Radio. And remember, you can always subscribe to our latest show right there in iTunes and Stitcher Radio just by looking up Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, Disney Blue, however you look it up, you can subscribe and get the latest show right there in the palm of your hand and get it to your mobile device, your Android, and more, and stay connected here at the show. So, all VD heads, with that said, it is Easter coming up. That's right, couple of days. We're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to search for the Easter Bunny. We're going to attend our church services for those of you that do. It's going to be a fun, fun weekend. And next week, for our five-year anniversary, instead of cluing you in as to what we're going to be doing, you're just going to have to tune in and find out. So, all VD heads, with that said, as I let you go, remember, take that time. Slow down. As you're on spring break, Easter break, you name it, Never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I will catch you online, see you around, and have a fantastic Easter weekend. See you next week, D-heads. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong. The dreamers and me Who said that every wish Would be heard and answered When wished on the morning star Somebody thought of that And someone believed it Look what it's done Amazing that keeps us stargazing And what do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers, and me All of us under its spell We know that it's probably magic
might be one and the same I've heard it too many times to ignore it It's something that I'm supposed to be Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.